0: Amen, amen. Uh, You can go and be seated. Go and be seated. Grab your Bibles. Turn me to 1 John chapter number 4. 1 John chapter number 4. We're going to pick up where we left off uh, last week. 1 John chapter number 4. If you don't know where 1 John is, um, you can look in your table of contents. Table of contents. And uh, it's in the New Testament. So you got Old Testament, New Testament. First John, mine's on page seven eighty eight so um, first John, New Testament. If you want to start at the back, you can do that too, because it's kind of closer to the back. You can go Revelation, Jude, third John, second John, first John. That sounds a little more difficult when I say it out loud. <laughs> so first John, chapter number four. Um, we are kind of jumping around a little bit um, in first John, um, so I know we were in nine and ten. But we're going to actually start in verse 15 uh, today. And so uh, 1 John 4 and verse 15. So either if you're looking at it in your Bible, hopefully you brought your Bible today. I think it's important that you bring your Bible so you can see it in black and white there, right there in front of you. But if you didn't, we're going to put it up on the screen as well. Um, So hopefully it's going to be on the screen in just a minute. Uh, 1 John 4, starting in verse 15. So if you're either looking at it on the screen or looking in your Bible and you are there, say, I'm there. Here we go. It says, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. We have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Last verse, and then we'll pray. We love him because, say it with me, he first loved us. Let's read, let's read, this, let's read verse 19 all together again. Here we go. Reading Verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for your love. Lord, I'm so excited about today. Lord, I I have a new energy and excitement for the word that, that really, honestly, Lord, it should have been there the whole entire time. But Lord, I'm excited about this new energy and excitement, Lord. Because, Lord, I know from the standpoint of this week, as I've been praying, Lord God, that, Lord, you have something to say to us. Lord, it's something that can change us and mold us and make us, Lord God, into your, the image of your Son. And so, Lord God, let us all receive, Lord God, even myself. Lord God, you've given it to me already, but, Lord, keep giving it to me. Because, Lord, I want to receive something today. Lord, I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt when I leave here today that I met with you. Lord, honor that request. Lord, we love you, we thank you, probably sing your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Um, I, I'm going to put a, um, a, a phrase up that we put up last week, and we're going to continue to look at this phrase and discuss this phrase, and right now I'm just kind of put, putting that phrase out there for you to, to look at. Yeah, there we go. Duty does not lead to devotion. Say that with me. Duty does not lead to devotion. Duty does not lead to devotion. We're going to talk about that in the coming weeks, but I really want to kind of put that in front of you because if I'm being honest, if I'm being honest, I have a natural tendency to go towards the first part of that statement than the last. I think we all have a tendency to drift, if we're not careful, to drift into what do we do for God and, 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 and what we do and how we do it versus why we do what we do. Because what we're going to talk about today is everything that motivates us for what we do for God, all is motivated by devotion to Him. By our love for Him. Not just from the standpoint of what we're supposed to do or ought to do or should do, but from the, from the desire of what I want to do because of the love for, that God has for me. So, um, so the title of the message, go back to the title of the message. Last week we talked about the, lo- uh, the, the love of God or, or God's love for to us. Today, we're going to talk about our love for God. So let's pick up in verse 15. Verse 15, it says, whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. Okay? Verse 16, and we have known and, what's the next word? Believed. Now, to to be in a relationship with God, it's not just to know about God. It's not just to know about God. There's a lot of people that know a lot about God, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they know and believe. Okay? So, in in order for us to express our love to Him, it is not just a know, but a believe. For we have known and believed the love that God hath to us that I'm accepting. Okay? God is love. He loved me so much, He sent His only begotten Son to die for my sins. Okay? And so, because of that, all right, I believe in that love. God is love. By the way, just a side note, you know, this whole, this whole thing of, okay, how can we really understand love? You cannot understand love unless you understand God. Say amen. amen. Okay, you can say that you love, love, love your dog or love your stuff or love your family or whatever that, but if you don't know God, you don't know love. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. And so you see this relationship of, of God dwelling in us, and us dwelling in God, and, and this kind of happy marriage that is happening. Now last week what we talked about was probably the greatest example, in my opinion, of what we see of, of, of God's love for us is that love of a father to a son. Y'all remember the baby pictures? Want those cute babies last week? If you missed that, I'm sorry. They're the cutest babies you've ever seen, because they were mine. Okay, so there you go. But 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 the the, the God the Father loves us, even in, in our state of helplessness, in our state of sin, He loves us because He created us. He He, 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 he we were created in His image, and so He loves us. But when it comes to our love for God, a great picture in the Bible is that of a marriage. That a lot of times when 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 it, in Scripture it references God, it references as, as the church as the bride and Christ as the groom. And, and so we, we see this, this, this marriage relationship from the standpoint of, okay, God loved me, and so I respond to that by loving him. Hopefully that's how your marriage went, by the way, okay? All right? Someone loved and the other one decided to love too. Okay, whatever. All right, so, uh, but, but, so that, that's a great picture of, of, of our love for God is this kind of marriage relationship. God love for us, our love for him, that marriage relationship. Now, let's go to a, a verse on here. And, and when you first read these verses, you're going to think, oh, you're going to talk about marriage. This is really cool. Ephesians, whatever the next verse was that I was giving you. The Ephesians verse. You got that one? Awesome, great. All right, Ephesians 5.22. It says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. All the husbands went, yeah. Sorry, Okay, never mind, whatever. Bunch of scaredy cats. All right, husbands, submit your, or excuse me, wives. That's, that's the problem with this world, by the way. We flipped that around. Okay, whatever. So, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. As unto what? The Lord. Okay, keep on going, verse 23. For the husband is head of the wife, even as... Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Verse 24. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so that the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So it's a sacrificial love. Verse 26. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. This is, this is where it starts kind of getting confusing in, in the direction he's going. But we'll keep on going. Verse 27. That he might present it to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish. And so we're like, okay, I thought we were talking about husbands and wives, but this doesn't seem to really go along with the husbands and wives now. Okay, verse 28. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Okay, all right, now we're getting back, right, we're getting back to the subject, I guess. Verse 29. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh. But nurses and chairs. even, look at this, even as the Lord, the church. Okay? Verse 30. And we are members of His body, of His flesh, and of His bones. Okay, it seems like we're, we're kind of going in a different direction again. It's not a, about husbands and wives anymore. Verse 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall join be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Okay, now we're getting back to the to the husband and wives thing, okay? It, it, why are we it seems like we kind of talk about the husband and the wives, and we talk about this other kind of thing. It doesn't really seem like it fits, and then we go back to the husband and wives and back to this and everything. Verse thirty two. This is a great mystery. I don't know about you, but, but I'm I'm, I'm kind of confused by this. We started talking about husbands and wives, and then we started talking about like bl- without blemish and spot and all kinds of stuff. Then we started talking about you know husbands and wives, and we started talking about flesh and all this kind of stuff. And, and then because here's the deal, this is a great mystery. This is where we miss it when we read these verses. Some some pastors are preaching and stopped before this verse. But well, this is a great mystery. No, go back. Verse thirty-two. Verse thirty-two. But I speak concerning Christ and church. When Paul was speaking to the Ephesians right there, he's not talking about husbands and wives. He's not talking. This is not verses that you need to primarily put and say, how do I become a better husband? How do I become a better wife? Because it has nothing to do with that. Zero. Has nothing to do with that. All that is, is that he's using a picture of of how we treat our husbands and how we treat our wives for us to understand how Christ and the church have relationship together. I don't know about you, but this is like a a wow moment for me. Like, I never realized this, because I'm like, man, this is all about husband and wife. No, it's not. It's about Christ and the church. It's about the groom and the bride. Verse 33, I love this, how he ends it, though. Nevertheless... Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself and the wife see that he reverence their husband. He's basically saying like, okay, it's not all about that, but that would be a good thing to do anyways. Okay, all right? Nevertheless, you should actually love your wife and your husband as Christ loves the church and all that kind of stuff. Okay? Are you all following me here? You all following me here? I'm telling. Yeah. Thank you, Roger. This is really good stuff. They ain't getting it yet, but they're going to, okay? This is really good stuff. Okay, so. Now that we have a reference of what this is talking about, let's change some of the terminology. Let's change some of the terminology, okay? All right? Because we are the bride of Christ. Okay? The church is the bride, and Christ is the the groom, okay? Let's go back. Go back to the first verse that we talked about in Ephesians. Okay, verse 22. Let's read this differently. Church. Ready? Church submit yourselves unto your own Lord Christ, okay? As unto the Lord, okay? Because we're the, okay, now some of y'all don't like this, but we're the bride, okay? The bride is 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 the wife here, okay? So church, submit yourselves unto the Lord, as unto the Lord, verse 23. For Christ is the head of the church, even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the Savior of the body. Okay, keep going, verse 24. Therefore, as a church is subject unto Christ, so let the church be to the Lord in everything. If we totally take out the husband and wife stuff, and we just put who it is, it's the bride and the groom, and it's the church and Christ, verse 25. Okay, all right, all right, here we go, all right. Christ, love your church. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Okay? Here we go. Verse 26. Now it makes sense. That he, that he, okay? Who's the he? Christ. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Verse 27. That he, who is that? Christ. That he might present it to himself. A glorious what? Church. Church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, and that it should be holy and without blemish. Because here, what did what did Christ do? Christ took care of our sin. So when we when we present ourselves before Christ, or me, before God, that, here we go. Whose righteousness are we in? We're in Christ's righteousness. Here we go, verse twenty-eight. So ought men? So what men to love other men? Okay, as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife. Or Christ that loveth his church, loveth himself. This is a big one right here. This is a big one right here. Because here's what you got to understand. And this is going to sound crazy when I say that. But here's the deal. You know why Christ loves you? Because he loves himself. Okay? I know that's kind of weird to think about that. But why were you created? You were created for whose glory? God's. You are not created for you, you are created for God. So when he created you, he looked and said, Wow, wow, look how great and wonderful of the thing I did. It is very good. And so when he shows love for you, in return, he's showing love to himself. That more the more he loves you, the more glory he gets. Verse 29. For no man ever yet ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes even as the Lord the church. Because here's the deal: why why does Christ love you? Because He loves Himself. So why would He why would He? This is so cool, man! Flesh, oh man, this is awesome. Okay, all right. Here's why you were, you were, you were created in the image of God. He, brought, he, he formed, formed man in the dust of earth and breathed in him the breath of life. Okay? Well, he, 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 he's not hating his own creation. He created it. He loves it. Verse 30. For we are members of his body, Christ's body, and of his flesh and of his bones. Verse 31. For this cause shall man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. In verse 32. Finally, just so we're on the same page. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Christ and the church. Move forward. Verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect or complete, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because, look at this, this is kind of what we talked about just a little bit, because as He is, so are what? We. We. In this world. That because of Christ's love for us and our love for him, that as he is righteous and holy, we can stand before God righteous and holy. Not one day in the future, but in this moment right now, we stand in righteousness, not because of what we did, but all because of what Christ did. Okay? Notice this, verse 18. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. This is referencing really from the standpoint of the judgment, that, that those that put their faith and trust in Jesus will not have fear at judgment. Let me help you this. You will not have fear at judgment. Why would you have fear at judgment? Because if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you will, you will, you will move forward, okay? You will not be hearing, you know, depart from me, I never knew you. Because you've put your faith and trust in Jesus. And because of Jesus and what he did, you will... So there is no fear in that. But really, from the standpoint of just in our own life, there is no fear in love. And fear and anxiety is crippling America right now. It's crippling Christians right now. But let me help you with this. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. I I, I, want, I want to... I don't want to really go this, this direction, but some people, I know when we talk about sharing the gospel and all kinds of stuff, you get all anxious and worried and all that kind of stuff, and here's the reason why you're getting anxious and worried, because you're trying to do it in your own ability. You're trying to do it in your own ability. You're motivated by what you're supposed to do, not so much why you're supposed to do it. You're not motivated by love. Because if we were motivated by love, there would be no fear. Okay? We'll, go, we'll come back to that a, little, a couple weeks from now. But perfect love cast. look at this, this is even so cool. So there's no fear in love, because what does perfect love do? It casteth out fear. Fear, when, when love comes on the scene, fear's got to run. Fear's got to get out of the way. Because fear hath torment. Would everybody agree with that? Okay? Fear has torment. Torment means misery. It, 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 all, all you people that go to like horror movies and pay somebody to scare you, you are Something's weird in your mind. I'm just telling you. Like, why do you do that? Like, how many of y'all love horror movies? You are sick individuals. Sick individuals. I am not paying somebody to scare me. Period. Okay? But, but to be scared, that is not a place where I'm like, yes, please, let me be as scared out of my mind as I can. That brings misery and torment, right? That's what fear does. But what, he, what he's saying is that, you know what, I'm not trying to bring torment to your life and misery to your life because that's why I provided love so there would be no fear, so that fear would be cast out because fear brings torment. He, look at this. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So if you have fear, what it is, it's not a, a got to have courage, i got to have boldness. No, what, if you have a fear problem, you have a love problem. And then finally, finally, 19, we love him, say it with me, because he first loved us. Here's what I was trying to explain to you all last week, and it was kind of a, a, um, a, a preview, but our love for God is a reactionary love. It's a reactionary love. When you experience the love of God, then you have a choice to say, okay, I've experienced the love of God, am I in turn going to love him? It's a reactionary love, okay? Because here's the the deal. Salvation starts with God. Say amen. amen. It starts with God. You didn't go chasing after God. God went chasing after you. And so he was chasing after you, and he showed his love, and he showed his grace, and he showed his mercy. And because of that overwhelming love and grace and mercy, you had a choice to say, you know what? He showed love to me. In what, verse, verse five, or Romans 5 8, it says, But God commended His love towards us, and that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ loved us in our sinful state. And because of that love, we have a choice. We can say, because He loved me, even in the worst possible condition, a person that was completely contrary to God and running after the devil, because of that love that He showed me, did I, will I make a choice to love Him in return? love him in return. Now let's go to, go to another verse. Let's go to another verse. So let's talk about this love for God, love for God, love for God. The um, Matthew verse, I think it is. Is that the next verse I gave you? Okay. Matthew 22. Matthew 22. And we're going to hit this verse a couple different times over the next couple weeks. But Matthew 22, verse 34. And when the, when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered Together, Okay, so this is, this is a gospel, this is Matthew, you know, the gospels are about Jesus, and so we have a situation here to where, where hey, everybody's quiet, there's a gathering together, verse 35. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, okay, so the, per- the person who's asking the question did not have good motives behind what they were doing, but he still asked them the question. Here's the question, verse th- master. Which is the great commandment in the law? Which is the great commandment in the law? Now, don't get caught up in that word commandment. We're going to deal with that word commandment in a couple weeks, okay? But which is, the, which is the great commandment in the law? Verse 37, Jesus' response. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Wait just a minute before you change it, okay? So here's the deal. Okay? What's the greatest commandment, Lord? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Let me just help you with this. That pretty much encompasses, in some, in some other Gospels, he talks and says, even your own strength. Okay? So but here, let's summarize this really easy. You love God with everything you got. Okay? You love God completely. You love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. If you want to put strength in there, you can. With all your strength. You love God with everything you are. Verse 38. This is the first and great commandment. First and great commandment. So before we do anything else, with God. Before we do anything else, the first thing we have to do is we are commanded to love God. First and great commandment. Now there is some there's there's one below this. We're not talking about that one today. Okay? Because because I think it's very important because what Jesus said is important. He said, look, because later on he'll say the second is like unto it. But let me help you with this. It is like unto it, it is very similar to, but it is not paramount. The paramount thing that we do is that everything from our standpoint, all of our being is our paramount thing that we do is we love God. We love God. Okay. Now, let's go back to, um, let's go to the next verse. John 3, okay? Now, we talked about John three sixteen last week. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we talked about that word so, for God so loved the world that he really, really, really loved. Like, and just so we before we get into this, I want you to understand so we can get this straight, is, is we are to love God, but that in no way compares to God's love for us. amen. Doesn't compare, okay? He 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 has an overarching love. He has a he has a love, and here's why this is. And we, let's talk about the verse when we talk about 1 John. Why can God show love to us in ways that we can't show love to Him? Because God is love. He's the creator of it. It's his idea. <laughs> He's the one. Like when, when like okay. Okay, what do we have? Okay, uh, um, let's see. Love. Okay, that's God. Love starts with God. God is the one who expresses His love to us. He so loved us. But now we have a choice to make of saying, will I express love back to Him? Now, so here's what God did. For God so loved the world, and gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, notice what, why he did what he did. Verse 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. Now, you, it's a, a, there are a lot of people that, will not, that you will find that will say, how can a loving God send someone to hell? Let me help you with this. A loving God doesn't send anybody to hell. Say amen. Okay? He doesn't send anybody to hell because that was not his purpose. His purpose was not to come and condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Stop, don't do, don't do anything. Just follow me, Caleb, okay? Follow me. Okay? So he sent his son to the world, so not, not to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. Now, verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned. Say amen. amen. Okay? If you believe on the Lord Jesus, put your faith and trust in him, you are not condemned, you are not going to hell. But he that believeth not is condemned what? Already. 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 Because here's the deal. If you don't put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, let me help you where your destination is. It's hell. It's reality. That is where you're going. Until you put your faith and trust in Jesus, your destination is heaven bound, excuse me, hell bound with a hammer down, okay? But once you put your faith in tragedy, that's when things change. But we are born sinners. Sin has a cost. Sin has a payment. The sin is death. Death and hell. That's a direction. So if you believe not, you're condemned already. Because he that hath hath not believed in the name of the the only begotten Son of God. Okay? Verse 19. Verse 19. And this is the condemnation. Okay? This is the condemnation. that light is coming to the world. Okay? Jesus, the light, the light of the world. He comes into the world, okay? And men loved what? Darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Okay? So when it comes to where, where, where okay, well, why, do, why, why do we not, when, when, okay, Christ came, we know that knowledge. Why do we not pursue after that? Because we love darkness. We love, we love to, I mean, ugh, please take your halos off, okay? We like doing bad stuff. Sin is, sin is pleasurable for a season, okay? Our, our natural tendency, our flesh, is to go towards darkness and sin and evil things, okay? And so when someone says, I'm not following Jesus, they're not, it's not just they're saying no to Jesus, they're saying yes to darkness, yes to sin, okay? Because here's your verse 20, verse 20. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be approved. Another thing: why, why do we not want to go to Jesus? Because He's going to tell us all the things we did wrong. We don't want people to tell us we did things wrong, right? Because here's, here's the thing about our salvation. One, the biggest thing that, that is a hold up for people in salvation is admitting you're a sinner. Because we don't want to say that we're bad people. We want to think that we're great and wonderful. Just ask my wife how great and wonderful I am. She'll tell you, right? Ask my kids. They think I'm just, I, I, like I walk on water already. It's like I'm already Jesus. But let me help you with this. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. It, it, what, what is the saddest thing to me is that there are people that are like, I know all this. I know all this. I need to put my faith in trust. You, I get that. But I don't feel like I'm a sinner. Here's a problem. You've got to get lost before you get saved. You got to understand, because here, if you think you're great and wonderful, your deeds, your deeds, let's just use a Bible way, your righteousness is as filthy rags. Because any good deed you can do, it pales in comparison to what God can do. Because here's the deal God's perfect and holy and righteous. And when you try to look at yourself, because here's the thing, what people do, man, man, I'm feeling this. Here we go. All right, here's the standard. Here's what we think the standard is. Here's what we think the standard is, okay? We think the standard is everybody else. Well, I'm better than most. Great. <laughs> but at judgment, you are not going to be, you, they're not going to put them and say, all right, okay, there's Buchanan. He was okay. All right, there's Roger. Man, he was really good. All right, man, there's Benny. Ooh, he, he needed some work, okay? No, they're, they're, they're not going to do that, okay? It's not gonna, that's not what it's going to be. What it's going to be is going to say, okay, are you holy and perfect and righteous? Yes or no? And you're like, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sinner. That's right. That's why you need Christ. Because Christ is the one, you stand in His righteousness. And when, when the Father looks at the Son, He says, man, that meets the standard. But we have to get to a place to where we understand, hey, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I'm... I, 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 uh, uh. I'm just going to say this real quick. In some ways, we, we all need to, to examine ourselves and check up ourselves because if the only thing we did, and the only thing from the standpoint of that, man, I put my faith and trust in Jesus, everything's okay, but we're not recognizing that we're a sinner in need of a Savior, I would question whether you were under Holy Spirit conviction when you got saved. And you need Holy Spirit conviction for salvation because that's where it starts is you need to recognize you're a sinner. Recognize you're a sinner. Because when you recognize you're a sinner, you need a Savior. It's not a thing of, and and here's what's really cool, and I'm going back to my salvation moment right now. It wasn't that this was a good idea or a good suggestion or, man, for my best life now, maybe I'll get this. No, I recognize I was a sinner in need of a Savior. I was a sinner on my way to hell. And the only way the only way I could get to God was only, only by putting my faith and trust in Jesus. I needed him. Now let me help you with this. Here's what, man, this is what God is convicting me right now about. Why, 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 if my response is that way when in the moment of salvation, why is that not why, that way right now? Because here's the deal. Let me help you with this. I know I'm I'm sealed and I'm going to heaven. Hallelujah, great and wonderful. But if I needed him at that moment, guess what? I need him that much the more right now. Like, the, like the, the, the the fact that I needed him at that moment, I continue to need him. It's not like, all right, great, got heaven, good, let's, let's go on to doing our happy business. No, if I was desperate in that moment for God, I should be desperate every moment of the day, needing God in every single way. But here's the problem in America. We don't need God. But I needed him for salvation. But by golly, if I need him for salvation, I bet I need him to to live out the life that he's given me and what he's desired me to do and all that kind of stuff. But again, let me help you with this. Let me help you with this. Let me help you with this. Golly, let me help you with this. Y'all just bear with me. Whatever. Okay. (laughs) Let's go back to where we're talking about. Okay. What motivated me at that? God's love for me. That's what motivated me. And here's the deal too, as much as as God showed his love to me while I was a sinner, when he showed that grace and he showed that mercy and he desired a relationship with me, you know what I did? I loved him. And what what I'm saying is from the standpoint of needing God, as much as from the standpoint of needing God and coming after him, as much as we should pursue with our lives from that love that I have for him and what he's done for me. Now, verse 21, we've got to finish this up. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, or we talked about that word manifest, evident, okay, obvious, that they are wrought or performed or worked in God, in God. And this is what's so cool about this whole deal. And here's where I want to go back to the duty. Go back to the, that other thing, the, the first phrase, first phrase, The little phrase, the duty doesn't lead to devotion. Here's where we got it wrong. This is why this is so important. This is why we can't put things. We, we, cannot, we cannot go this direction. We cannot say duty leads to devotion because it doesn't. Devotion leads to duty every time. Say amen. The more I love God, the more I want to do for him. Okay? And, and, but that's what I'm saying. Go back to my other verse, the John 23, uh, 20-something, whatever. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, and his deeds are made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Let me help you with this. The works didn't come until the devotion did. The works were never mentioned, that they are wrought, worked in God. The works were never mentioned until we established the love. Until we established the love. Do I have one more verse? Is that the, one more verse? Okay, last verse. And I don't know if we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna maybe introduce this. And and then we'll we'll because here's here's where I'm seeing. Here's what I'm seeing. I'm, I'm gonna back up a little bit just so y'all know. Here's where where God has kind of shown me where we've messed up as a church. Because here's what happened. This was I didn't say this in the first service last week. The section of scripture, the first John four, is the very first section of scripture I ever preached at Temple Baptist Fairview. Very first. It was on a Wednesday night. We did the screen. We did the screen for six months. The very first message I ever preached on this platform was in 1 John 4. Because we needed to establish as a church from the very beginning is where was our motivation? Was it love or was it works? Okay? And I'm telling you this, and, and, and I want to go a little bit farther into this a little bit, but... Let's talk about the marriage. Let's let me go ahead and get it out there. This was coming in the weeks. But here's the deal. I love my wife. If you love your spouse, say amen. amen. You better say it loud and proud, okay? She may be right beside you, okay? I love my wife, but I do not do the things for her because that's what a good husband ought to do. I don't do it because that's what I'm supposed to do or should do or the other husbands are shaming me into it. Like all you people that do all these great and wonderful things, you're hurting us. Quit doing that, okay? Stop doing those just because gifts. That that hurts me, okay? You get that? But I've been married to Katie for 19 years. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, maybe the first couple years, I could say, like, I'm trying to be a good husband. 19 years in, the only reason why I do for Katie what I do is because I love her. I love her. Because trying to just be a good husband don't last long. If you don't love her, let me help you with this, 19 years, you better love your spouse if you're going to stay with her for 19 years. Uh, the rodents, how long y'all been married? 63 years. Give it up for the rodents, come on. You love her, okay, I'm glad you added that to that. 63 years, guys. You can't make it 63 years without some love. Say amen, Wendell. Amen. amen. You gotta have love. If it was just about, hey, I need to just be a good husband, he'd have been long gone. Now, let me just say this: if it was just about being a good wife, Janice would be long gone. Because we know Wendell was more of a problem than Janice was. Okay? He's motivated by love. Not by works, but by love. Do you see the difference? I'm trying to, I'm trying to get, and I hate even giving you like, like earthly examples because they don't pale on, compa- on comparison, they pale in comparison. They pale in comparison. Because I could never love Katie like Christ loves her. And she can never love me like Christ loves her. And I, let me just let me just really, and some of y'all don't like what I'm about to say. I can't love Katie like I love God. I know some of y'all don't like this, but let me help you with this. When it comes to your love and who you're spreading your love around to, the first person who gets your love is God. Then your spouse. Let me just help you with that, okay? It's God than spouse. Like, don't, don't, don't go, don't get all confused over here, okay? But God then spouse. And here's what I want to help you too. It's like, it's like this. We 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 sometimes do this: God, spouse, kids, everything else. No, it's God, spouse, kids, everyone else. Okay? Now. Go back to my Revelation verse. I know I'm I've, I've running out of time. But here's, here's, the, here's the thing that I just want to help y'all with from the standpoint of our church and what God is kind of stirring in my heart and everything. Revelation 2. Revelation 2. Now, book of Revelation in chapter 2 and 3, there's specific churches that are mentioned and, and, and there are specific letters that are written to specific churches. And, and for, the, for the most part... Every single church is doing a pretty good job. The last church, Laodicea, it's got some real problems to deal with or whatever. But for the most part, every single church is doing pretty good. But there is some things that they could do better or do different or fix. So if he, uh, Revelation two one, unto the angel, the church at Ephesus, which is kind of interesting right here. Uh, here's, a, here's a letter to the church of Ephesus, and we were looking at Ephesians, really cool. Really, that's really, like, mind-blowingly cool, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> These things, saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, he walketh in the midst of seven golden sticks. Verse 2. I know thy works. I know thy what? Works. And thy labor. And thy patience. And thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not. And hast found them liars. Don't go on to throw oh, all right, just want to make sure we didn't, okay? So, look, they're working, they're laboring, they're having patience, they're not putting up with evil. Okay, they're trying to make sure that, the, that these are not false prophets, okay? And if they are men, they're calling them out, they're calling them liars, they're liars, verse three. And as born, and as patience, for thy name's sake, has labored, and has not fainted. Don't wait just a minute, has not fainted. Man, they're working hard, They ain't giving up. And they're going after it. This is great. Verse 4. Nevertheless, nevertheless, so all these things you did, all these great and wonderful works that you did, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. First love. Now, verse 5. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first. Do the what? First works. First works. Now, that ain't talking about verse 1 or verse 2 or verse 3. What it's talking about is, you know what? Go back to love. Go back to love. Or else I will come into thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of thy place, except thou, what's the last word? Repent. Repent. So I don't know. We'll, we'll probably look at that verse a little bit more in the coming days. But uh, I, I really look at it, and, and maybe this is me not, not uh, understanding the atmosphere and what's going on, but I think in some ways, we've left our first love. I think we got really busy making it all about what we're supposed to do, ought to do, should do, and forgot about why we're doing what we're doing. And this whole entire series of messages is about rediscovering why we do what we do. Now, let me help you with this. Come here like, man, I love this Buchanan. That means I don't have to do anything for God. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. All the things we've been talking about for the past couple years, they're all good things, and they all should be done because they're all according to Scripture what God has asked us to do. But let me help you with this. We need to understand if we try to do all these things on our own without love, it becomes exhausting. Everybody agree with that? It becomes exhausting. You know why? Because you're not doing it in God's power. You're doing it in your own, and that will not last forever. So, uh, this is kind of a preview of where. But we got we've got to establish from the standpoint first of all, God loves us and our love for God. And if you've never put in your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, don't worry about all the things you you have to quote unquote do. Recognize you're a sinner. Put your faith and trust in Him and experience the love of God today.